Hello, Bermuda. Welcome to Best Health, presented by the Royal Gazette and Archie Megs. This is your go-to health podcast, connecting you with Bermuda's finest in health and wellness. Before we get this important conversation started, we want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor for this episode, the Bermuda Cancer and Health Center, providing cancer care and support to the community of Bermuda. Now let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Best Health Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Astwood of Carrie Lee Fitness, and with me in the studio today is Dr. Chris Fosker, who serves as the medical director and clinical oncologist here at the Bermuda Cancer and Health Center. Welcome, Dr. Fosker. Why don't we start off with some introductions? Tell us a little bit more about yourself and your role here at the Bermuda Cancer and Health Center. I've been a doctor for 20 years now um, and been specializing in oncology for nearly 15 years. Um, People often ask me, you know, why on earth did you choose to go into cancer care? Because it can be quite challenging. Um, My answer is because you can make a difference and you can kind of see that difference. So you can really see the difference in day-to-day, year-to-year and time. Um, So, yeah, as it says, I'm trained in a number of different modalities for the treatment of cancer. Uh, radiation, chemotherapy, and trying to look at the the big picture. Uh, been in Bermuda now for eight years or so, um, and was involved in the setup of the radiation unit because um, when we looked at what was being provided here in Bermuda, that was the one of the big missing pieces. Um, so that was one of our big projects. I find I'm in a privileged position, really, in Bermuda that I do have time to to think about the big picture stuff. So looking about how we're doing, trying to work out what's being done, what needs to be done, and how we can improve things. Um, again, whether it's just a simple day-to-day interaction or trying to look at the big picture stuff and make five-year, ten-year plans to, to get things better because cancer is scary um, and frightening for anyone who's involved, uh, either in the care or you know, having to go through it. So we try and make sure that we look at every kind of angle. I love that. and. You know, I I know that the radiation center has been such a huge benefit to locals here, you know, not having to fly overseas. So love that, like, big picture thinking, how can we just keep getting better? Um, Which is pretty much what our topic is going to be about today. Um, We're going to dive into specifically breast cancer with Breast Cancer Awareness Month um, being the month of October, correct? Yes. Um, So to set the stage for this conversation, could you explain the significance of the improved pathway for breast cancer in Bermuda? So, yeah, and I think it's obviously it's it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month and breast cancer is incredibly important. All cancers are important. Um, Breast cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer in ladies in Bermuda. But it's also a good example of the changes that we're trying to bring in. Um, so again, if you look at cancer care simplistically and look at it from a breast cancer perspective, you've kind of got four pillars that you need medically and kind of change, trying to change that conversation about medical and complementary and holistic care. To be able to diagnose and cure cancer, you need a diagnostic unit, you need surgery, you need a systemic therapy unit like chemotherapy, and you need radiation. And they're the kind of four pillars that you really need to put in place and build a cancer program around that. So as I said, once we've got the radiation unit up and running and successful and doing great things, then you can start to really think about the whole picture because people are unique, cancer is unique, and so put that together and everyone's per- journey is different. And again, think about the breast cancer side of things. We know that if you diagnose breast cancer early, so if you diagnose it at stage one, your chance of cure is incredibly high. 
But also your chance of having long-term side effects, whether that's the mental side, the physical side, the side effects of treatment, are also huge. So what we've really focused on over the last couple of years is trying to understand what's happening in Bermuda, uh, specific to Bermuda, you know, not just copying the gold standards around the rest of the world. We're not going to ignore them because other people are doing things brilliantly. But Bermuda, again, is unique. So we really wanted to start looking at what's happening nationally and then also what's happening from an individual's perspective. So we kicked off... Two big projects, one was the National Cancer Control Plan and then was one was in partnership with uh, the hospital and the Ministry of Health, which is Integrated Care Pathways. And that was really, really valuable. So what we did with that one was just interview people who've been through the pathway to kind of understand their perspective. So again, if you look at it purely medically, you might think the pathway is really simple, you've just got those four spots. But then when you actually map it out and look at it, there's hundreds of different touch points. And ladies are experiencing different things along the way. And each lady is experiencing something different when they go through what on paper looks like the same experience. So one lady having a mammogram can have a very different experience to another lady having a mammogram where on paper they've just had the same procedure. So what we really wanted to do is try and understand how people are feeling as they go through that pathway. Because we know it's not just about cure. Uh, It's about the experience. It's about the whole picture. Um, Again, very simplistically, our motivation to cure cancer and treat cancer is not to make the stats look good. It's to make sure people live life. You know, if you can be cured of cancer and then carry on living a good life, that's that's our ultimate dream. So then when you look at that pathway, what we worked out is we do have really good quality care in those kind of four foundation blocks. You know, there's really good diagnostics, there's really good treatment. Um, but everyone was feeling different as they worked their way through. And what we saw that was not as good as we wanted to is people were feeling they were having to fight their way through the path. Yeah, it wasn't that once you were on that journey that it was smooth and you were kind of looked after. People were reporting to us that once you got a diagnosis of cancer, that the individuals or the family were having to feel like knock on doors, knock down doors to make sure the next steps are happening quickly, to understand the next steps. So what we've really, really focused on the last few years is just making sure... The teams are working closely together, making sure the communication is there, making sure that everyone feels comfortable who they need to talk to, when they need to talk to, what the next steps are, so that it's just much easier. You know, it's not easy, but easier journey the whole way through. So that's been our focus for the last few years. And hopefully, hopefully we're making a difference. That's incredible. Because I imagine, you know, just to be diagnosed with cancer alone for the patient and the family is like yeah. burden enough yeah. so to have to you know be on charge of you know knocking on doors to get the next step to get the ball rolling i can see why that would be a huge challenge so i think that's incredible taking the feedback on the individual basis and you know improving it from there right you can only learn from yeah yeah and we no one's perfect you know there's no such thing Absolutely. as perfect patients who sit with me in consults know i say there's no such thing as zero and 100 percent in medicine but we should always strive to improve and learn from every single moment absolutely um so what can you tell us about the current state of breast cancer in bermuda so, so like the key statistics and yeah. trends where are we at yeah so again i am um, people who know me I, i'm a bit of a data geek i like data um <laughs> I love but data too. <laughs> you have to you have to be careful with it because obviously again stats whatever the saying is lies damn lies and statistics so 
when you're looking at stats, they're really, really valuable for healthcare. You know, understanding what's happening at a population level is essential. But again, remembering when you talk about stats like there's a 99% chance of cure with stage one breast cancer, sounds great. But if you're that 1%, it's awful. So you've got to remember that stats are valuable, but they're not the be all and end all. And again, what we've been trying to do in Bermuda and starting to really get there is understand our stats as part of trust and reinsurance. Again, we know that trust is a concern with healthcare and particularly in Bermuda. Uh, And we know that historically there have been challenges with access and with care, but now with cancer care in Bermuda, it is accessible to all, you know, a lot of it done through Bermuda Cancer and Health with the equal access and making sure that that financial toxicity isn't going to stop people getting the care they need. So, but back to the stats, so with that, what we've been doing is working with the tumour registry and working with the epidemiological department of the Department of Health, and now we can say confident things about breast cancer here in Bermuda. Simple stats, like we know it's around 70 ladies um, diagnosed each year, and one in 100 breast cancers is actually male. You know, we focus on the lady side, but men obviously still need to think about this as well. So we see around 70 new diagnoses a year, which is a split between breast cancer and then what's called DCIS, which is a condition that can lead to breast cancer and you treat it very, very similarly. So we statistically you put them together. Um, we can also show that we're doing well and that we're improving. So we've looked at the cancer stats for the last decade, so from 2010 to 2019. And what we can see that during that decade, we have improved in terms of the number of people diagnosed with an early breast cancer. So statistically, um, you're more likely to be diagnosed with a breast cancer at stage one now than you were 10 years ago here in Bermuda. We can also show that our stats hold up really well compared to other countries and other areas around the world. So we've looked at comparing ourselves to the US, to Europe and to the Caribbean. And our early diagnosis is better than all of those. So we diagnose more people in early stage than any of those other countries. And our um, success rate in terms of cure, so our mortality rate, is lower in Bermuda than it is from breast cancer in the US, breast cancer in Europe, breast cancer in the Caribbean. And that's really exciting to actually be able to start talking about that. Not, you know, to kind of blow our own trumpet, as it were, but to kind of reassure people that actually you can get world-class quality care here in Bermuda. And so that is the value of the stats as much as anything. So we can see where we're doing well, look at how we're doing well, why we're doing well, and also we can see areas that we're not doing so well. Uh, and that's the value of those kind of statistics to make sure we're thinking about the whole picture. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's incredible for Bermuda. It's great, exciting to, you know, to actually, you know, those, those things are uh, available. Those stats are available. You can look at Bermuda Cancer and Health website and okay. those stats are there because um, people often ask us about stats. Um, we are not kind of shouting about them too much at the moment because, again, we need to make sure they're accurately done and we're looking at how we make sure that that is definitely telling us the truth about what's going on. Yeah, of course. So you spoke about how breast cancer is more often being caught in that first stage. What I'd like to ask is if you could explain the different stages of breast cancer, what each stage entails, and then after that we could go into the different screening options in Bermuda, what's available um, to help people get diagnosed, of course, hopefully in the first stage. Yeah, so stage... um is often one of the first things a lady will ask me when they um, have to come and see me from a cancer consultation point of view, because we do talk about stage a lot, we do use stage a lot. Stages are zero, one, two, three, four when we talk about breast cancer. So zero is that DCIS, so it's kind of pre-cancerous changes, and then stage one is when the cancer is confined to the breast alone. You can have stage one and two if it's within the breast and then move towards the axilla, so the armpit. 
where cancer can spread to. And then you can have stage three if there's a lot of cancer within the breast and the armpit. And then stage four is the most challenging. That's where it's moved elsewhere in the body. The challenge we find from an oncology perspective, everything is incredibly complicated and getting more and more nuanced. So as oncologists, we actually rarely think about stage. Um, we actually think about, I mean, the most important thing is to think about the person in front of you. Um, but when we're looking about how we treat breast cancer, you're looking at size, you're looking at what we call receptor status. Sometimes you're doing genetic analysis. Um, so it's much more complicated than in terms of stages when you actually choose the treatments that you kind of think are going to be what's best for the, the lady in front of you. To your second part, uh, the kind of early diagnosis. So it comes round to, I mean, you can take it one step before, so prevention. So we don't talk too much about prevention when we're talking about cancer, because obviously once you've been diagnosed with cancer, the, the conversation changes a little bit. Although the principles are very similar when it comes to survivorship, doing everything you can to stop cancer coming back, reduce the chance of a second cancer. The prevention conversation is very similar. So at Bermuda Cancer and Health, we've got our education programs that are led by the team there, and Azuri's out and about, as most people have come across Azuri doing her education. And so she works on the prevention side and the education side to make sure that if you are unlucky enough to be diagnosed with breast cancer, that you're picking up as early as possible. So from the prevention side, it's lifestyle. Um, and as lots of people know, it's easy to talk about. Yeah, it's easy to talk about losing weight. It's easy to talk about exercising. It's easy to talk about not smoking. It's easy to talk about not drinking. They're the kind of four most lifestyle changeable things related to breast cancer. Um, easier said than done. Yeah, Absolutely. again, we know that you can say it, um, but unless there's kind of active interventions, whether it's kind of exercise programs, whether it's coaching, whether it's kind of financial accessibility to physio, to gyms, it gets really, really complicated. But ultimately, that's the simple message. Um, exercise a lot, try and keep it a good body weight, don't smoke and don't drink. Uh, then back to this kind of screening early diagnosis, what you actually asked about. Yeah. Um, so again, um, the most important thing for breast cancer is that ladies and men, are comfortable with self-examination and that comes around to understanding your body knowing what you're looking for and at Bermuda Cancer and Health we have the Know Your Lemons campaign that's actually an international campaign okay. um, and it's been run through the census since 2018-19 again Azuri is our lemonista so she's kind of our leader when it comes to that education side of things and what it's been shown is that people are really fearful of self-examining and more fear of the unknown or fear of missing something it's kind of that responsibility almost um you want that backup of doctors or examinations um but it actually it's been really shown that ladies are the most important thing when it comes to diagnosing de breast cancer doctors are pretty useless uh, we shouldn't be needed if everything else happened before that but obviously we are there as that kind of backstop to help with uncertainty and help with checks but the recommendation is that you get very comfortable with self-examination uh, from a young age, you know, whether that's kind of around the age of puberty, just late teens, you should not be worrying about or thinking about cancer really at that point, but you should be understanding your body and kind of knowing exactly what's going on. Because the most important thing with breast examination, self-examination is that you're comfortable doing it, that you do it regularly, um, monthly, ideally, and that you really are comfortable to notice change. So again, there's traditionally regarded as 12 different signs of change and most people are familiar with the lumps, bumps, skin changes, swelling. But the most important thing is just being comfortable to report change. So if you feel something doesn't feel quite right, check it again. And then if it still doesn't feel quite right, go and talk to your GP about it. It may be that it's just reassurance. It may be that you get asked to go and have extra tests, whether that's imaging or further examination or biopsies. 
Absolutely. And then the other aspect is the screening. So again, here in Bermuda, we recommend regular screening from the age of 40 up if you've got standard risk. If you've got higher risk, which is really about family history, then it might be that after a compensation with your GP or one of the specialists that you're recommended to start screening earlier. Um, but the kind of the, the national recommendation should be that you start from the age of 40. Okay, so if you've just turned 40, yeah. uh, speaking from someone who has just <laughs> turned 40, yeah. uh, I would assume for those listening as well, you would just go to your GP and then they would refer you to go and get a mammogram. Yeah, that's definitely our preferred pathway. You know, GPs are essential for healthcare. They're essential for cancer care. Uh, and having that relationship and support through the GP is really, really important. So our preference is always that a lady over 40 has a chat with a GP, talks through what it involves, and then gets a referral. We do also, though, understand that not everyone has access. And again, that's one of the challenges. Yes. You can Again, you can fall back to stats. The ladies who choose not to have mammograms, it's often around fear and money. Um, so at Bermuda Cancer and Health, we do accept self-referrals over the age of 40. But if you come through, we'll talk to you about making sure that we link you up into the healthcare system properly so that if those mammograms unfortunately show anything, that that backup support is all there. So yeah, definitely a preference to go through the GP, but if you're scared, if you're unsure, you can come to Bermuda Cancer and Health and get a mammogram. Oh, that's great to hear. I know it's very common in Bermuda to avoid you know, going to the doctor, even for something that may you may say like, oh, this is small, but it's nothing because, you know, hey, that's a lot of money if I go to the doctor's office, especially for those without insurance, yeah. right? So for those needing the help, they can just come right to Absolutely. BCHC. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So let's, I'm going to back up a little bit here. So I wanted to jump to treatment, but I think before, I would love to hear if you would be able to walk us through I know there is no one single breast cancer journey, but, you know, what a breast cancer journey could look like for someone from early detection to treatment to survivorship. Yeah, so as you say, it's super complicated. Yeah. Uh, and I was even surprised uh, how complicated it looked when you kind of put it down when you talked about patients from their perspective. Yes. Yeah, I think I think if we, before we'd done the project where we pathway mapped it out, um, if you'd asked me to draw the map, I would have made it more complicated than those four spots we talked about. I might have, I don't know, had eight or ten. And then actually when we've got the patient's perspective, there's kind of 40, 50 touch points. So it is complicated. Um, the basic bits are, I mean, the most frequent way that ladies are diagnosed with breast cancer is through a mammogram. Uh, and that is good because then it's generally being picked up early. So it might be that you have your screening mammogram and then you have that dreaded phone call to say come back. Um, and so there at Bermuda Cancer and Health, if you come back, you'll have your diagnostic mammogram, which we do with 3D Tomo so that you're getting the best quality pictures. You also have an ultrasound done at the same time. And then also you have an opportunity to talk to Dr. Risk, so our on-site radiologist, so he can talk through what's being found, what's being seen. And again, worst case scenario, if there's a recommendation to have a biopsy, then that will be organized as soon as possible at Bermuda Cancer and Health and you'll have the biopsy done. And again, it's image-guided biopsy so that you make sure the needle goes into exactly the right spot. Again, taking that worst case scenario that cancer gets diagnosed, uh, then Dr. Risk rings your GP uh, to let you know that that biopsy has come back confirming cancer. And then we'll confirm with the GP the next steps. And this is where we've started to try and change that pathway. So previously, it would be handed over to the GP and then we'd almost sit and wait for it to come back again. But we've now convened a breast cancer MDT, so multidisciplinary team meeting. So where you get the real specialists all together in a room once a week to talk about 
cancer cases, breast cancer cases, new diagnosis cases. So you have the radiologist there, the pathologist, so the docs who look at things under a microscope to confirm what it is. You have the surgeons, you have the medical oncologists, so those cancer specialists treating with systemic therapy, and you have the radiation oncologists. You also have our cancer navigator, so Bermuda Cancer and Health, following the uh, feedback from patients. Uh, we've employed a cancer navigator, and that's to help people work their way through the pathway. Um, and at the moment, they're working as a safety net, making sure that no one gets lost in the system. We do want to grow that so that they're a real accessible point for people. So at this point, cases will be discussed, and so we can kind of work out the right pathway. And then it might be that the GP recommends to the lady that she has she goes to see a surgeon first. It might be that she goes to oncology first in case she needs chemotherapy. And again, we're trying to combine those conversations so that ladies can envisage what's coming next. You know, you might not necessarily want to know everything, but if you can map out that I'm going to have surgery, and then after surgery, I'm going to need chemotherapy, and then after chemotherapy, I'm going to need radiation, and after radiation, then I'm going to need survivorship and follow-up. You know, that's the kind of most complex pathway. Um, but being able to map that out, being able to visualise that at the start, know who your key people are, so knowing who your surgeon's going to be, knowing who your oncologist is going to be, and then the cancer navigator to kind of make sure that if you're stuck at any point, um, that that's all mapped out in front. So that's the, the very simplistic pathway. I really love that. Um, you know, there is neuroscience showing the benefits of visualizing obstacles before they come. You know, yeah. picturing yourself overcoming them. Um, you know, managing your expectations from the beginning. So I love that that pathway is laid out before them. You know, the potential pathway they have to go through. Yeah, yeah. And as you kind of alluded to, the neuroscience of um, taking on challenges and healthcare is fascinating. And it's kind of, when you look at it from an academic point of view, you, you know the emotional stress that ladies go through with a cancer diagnosis is huge. We also know that it's really hard to tackle, but at least if we're starting to talk about it up front and being open about it, then it helps each step of the way. Um, and again, everyone approaches things differently and we try and open that conversation so that we can start helping right from the start to make sure people are dealing with things as well as they can do. Yeah, it sounds like there's a great team, you know, for someone to come in to know that it's not just, you know, me by myself. I have a whole team behind me rooting for me, supporting me throughout this whole journey. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, the fear of isolation in these moments is scary. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't imagine. Um, and But I do know that if I was in that position that, you know, you would want to have that support behind you. Um, Speaking of, you mentioned, you know, there was a radi, I think you said there was a radiation oncologist, there's radiology, um, pathologist, surgeon. So I think this kind of leads us into the next topic, which is what are the treatment options here in Bermuda? So here in Bermuda, or in we're, general. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're, in Bermuda, we are doing well in that we can provide nearly everything you need for breast cancer, or I should say it another way, everything you need for breast cancer most for most individuals. So again, it's the... The um, standard stuff, uh, from the diagnostic point of view, we've got really good mammogram options, we've got good biopsies, we've got good pathologists, um, we've got MRI scanners, CT scanners, if you need to have extra kind of imaging. Um, we've got the surgical options. Um, sometimes there are surgical challenges that we do recommend going overseas, um, because you do have to appreciate we can't do everything. and. I think it's really important to acknowledge as a group of breast cancer specialists and peers, we are very open about our strengths and our what we don't have. And so it will be occasions where we say, you know, we can't do this on island, we recommend you go overseas. And that may be from a surgical perspective, very occasionally it's from a 
uh, chemo perspective or radiation perspective. Um, so then the treatment options would be, as I say, we take that standard path where you have surgery first. That can all be done very well here in Bermuda. And then if you've got a more challenging breast cancer, you'll be recommended to consider chemotherapy. And that would be done through the medical oncology department of the hospital. And then after that, it's normally radiation. Uh, and that's done through Bermuda Cancer and Health. And as we talked about right at the start, we've been running now for six and a half years. Um, had over a thousand patients through. Uh, and again, we always look to improve, but we're very proud of what we've achieved from that side of things. I think that's incredible. I mean, that's a thousand people who did not have to go overseas for, you know, a treatment that could be done here. Yeah, and that's what, I mean, again, we've got stats to kind of help us articulate our story and journey on impact. But one of the most impactful element we've seen is twice as many people are now having guideline appropriate, evidence-based appropriate radiation than happened before we opened. And that must just be down to an access thing that people were choosing not to go overseas or couldn't go overseas. Absolutely. So very simple stats to suggest that we're making a really positive difference. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, I'd be remiss and you know, fall into the, oh, the hole that lots of doctors fall into. Cause, yeah, we talked about the treatment, but yep. of course treatment, part of the treatment is the survivorship and the rebuilding yes. afterwards. Uh, even... Yes. If you've had the simplest journey, so often the simplest journey for breast cancer is sometimes you only need surgery. Most commonly you need surgery and radiation and some tablets. Yep. And then comes, for most people, the most challenging bit because once you've been diagnosed, there is obviously a lot of fear and a lot of concern, but you've got a real focus in the next step. It's okay, you know, now I've met the team, I know I'm gonna have surgery. And so then you focus on the surgery, you get through the surgery, and then it's like, okay, now I've got to have radiation. You focus on the radiation, get through the radiation. And then you get to the end and you're like, oh, now what? And that's a really, really challenging moment. And again, we do our best to make sure that we are covering all angles. Um, but it is hard to get everything in place. Um, so again, we do talk about the importance of nutrition, the importance of exercise, the importance of self-examination, the importance of screening, uh, the importance of mental health. But it's a really, really complex area. And again, done very differently around the world. So a lot of European countries have just announced they're actually stopping a lot of breast cancer follow-up because it's been shown that the physical aspect of what we do as doctors is not that useful. Um, that a lot of the time, the stress of having to come back for regular appointments outweighs the benefit. And again, that's when it gets really nuanced. And unsurprisingly, you often see people doing things differently when there's a different evidence base. You know, the American system likes to follow up people extensively. The European system actually feels that ladies are best represented by themselves. You know, they advocate yeah. for the patient themselves to kind of lead their follow-up. And when you ask a lady what follow-up they want, often they'll choose really simplistic follow-up. So having the mammograms or then having the GP in charge of their follow-up rather than the oncologist due to the stress of having to come come along and see one of us. So Absolutely. it's fascinating as well as it is challenging. So that's one of the areas that we're really looking to, into a lot at the minute. Yeah, because I can imagine a lot of the stress, you know, returning back to the oncology office could probably bring back a lot of, you know, the trauma that they experienced going through the diagnosis and the treatment yeah. as well. So yeah. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, yeah, and again, you can full on stats. I mean, we know 20, 25% of ladies do have a emotional experience similar to post-traumatic stress uh, from a breast cancer diagnosis. Yeah. And again, how you manage that is really, really hard. But we've got to be open and you know give patients choices. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I myself am in the health and fitness space. I am a you know online fitness and nutrition coach, and I work with a lot of clients, especially on mindset. Um, you know, and I know the importance of, of lifestyle and how hard it is. You know, you mentioned it's like, hey, okay, so we got to exercise, we got to eat better. And people can get so confused from that. Yeah. And, 
you know, one thing I wanted to add is just if, if you're listening and, and this is you and you're feeling overwhelmed by, you know, hey, all this exercise, like what do I do? I'm not doing anything right now. Focusing on what you can add into your life. A lot of people try and eliminate everything from their diet. You know, right now you could start by adding more veggies to your meals. You could increase your protein intake. If you're sedentary, you could start by adding some extra steps, you know, maybe parking a little bit farther away, you know, just small changes compound. Um, so I just I'd piggyback on that. I think you're completely correct. And again, it's a learning sphere um, for everyone. And it's funny how you look at the different paradigms and how people are looking at it. So when it comes to exercise, um, we're now the guidelines say that a doctor should write it on a prescription pad and you know, go home and stick it on the fridge. And I'm sure there's some truth in that because then you've got some accountability. Um, but it's funny, when I used to talk about exercise five years ago, it's cool, go out, have a walk, have a swim, it's easy to do, but actually it's not easy. Um, as more people know that don't, exercise is very accessible, but again, the evidence base is without a kind of dedicated program, without specialists within exercise to help, most people have a fad. They do it really well for a while and then they stop. And then we come back to the mental health side of it and the number of people are, you know, I'll ask them, how's the exercise gone? And then they're like, oh gosh, I haven't managed it. And then you've got concern and they're like, what am I doing? I'm going to let myself down. And you can get yourself into a really difficult spiral. Um, so it has to be managed carefully. Um, and it's easy to talk about preventative measures and survivorship, but unless it's within an organized system, sometimes I feel we're just putting a mental toll on people because we're saying do this, do that, and then kind of letting them run free with it. And it's really tough. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the industry, not to not to go off topic, but the my industry, the fitness and health industry, there's a lot of myths, misconceptions, um, you know, so much confusion. So for someone like, hey, exercise, they may be walking every day and then think they're not doing enough. So then yeah. they just stop. Right. Yeah. And that's where that all or nothing mindset comes in because yeah. you know we don't like to feel badly yeah. about ourselves so if we feel guilty we're not going to keep doing it yeah yeah um you know and you mentioned like how having a, a plan a program like being a part of something can be so helpful so like how do healthcare providers here you know with the bermuda cancer and health center um as well as like others maybe holistic providers um how do they collaborate to provide like comprehensive cancer care, um, you know, maybe during and after during survivorship. So, yeah, at, at, as you say, it's really difficult. Um, and we've talked already about the kind of medicalized side, the treatment side. Uh, we are really trying to focus on the survivorship side. And as I've said, you, with our prevention program, the messaging is exactly the same pretty much whether you're in a survivorship program or prevention program. It's what we can call simple stuff, you know, the exercise and nutrition. But as you just said, it actually gets really difficult when you start to get down into what works for individuals. Um, so what we're trying to do is make sure we're very open with those conversations. Again, different people do different things. And, um, you know, PALS has a good survivorship program. We make sure we're talking about it plenty. Uh, whenever we're talking about mental health or whenever I'm talking about mental health, it's important to normalize it. So again, the, often the example I use, when I used to work back in Leeds, and as in the intro, that's yes. Europe's largest purpose-built cancer center. Yes. As in it's big. So that had 65 oncologists in it, which is a bit different from what wow. we have here. Just um, a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so then when you had your breast cancer follow-up clinics, 
you'd have a long line of clinics and all, all these ominous looking doors and people disappearing behind the doors. But behind one of those doors was a psychologist, behind one of those doors was a psychiatrist, because it's normal to have mental health struggles uh, following a cancer diagnosis. So we're unable to provide that because we're not that big. So we can't have psychologists and psychiatrists sat next to us, but we do build up relationships with the local psychiatrists and psychologists. We do encourage people to talk about it openly and not fear. You know, if I say to someone, you know, do you think you benefit from a psychologist? It's not an insult. Yeah. You know, it's just part of the process. So we do try and make sure that we are engaging as much as possible with everyone who's involved in the cancer care. Our 10, 20 year dream is that everyone's part of one big team and we're all kind of coordinated. But naturally, with healthcare, it, it's not that easy. But we're working towards making sure everyone's on the same page. Yeah, so that vision is there. I could see that being the dream for cancer care or having a center where you have, you know, maybe there's a dietitian there, maybe there's yeah. a workout facility or, you know, an exercise team. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we are, we are making progress. So we do actually, a uh, dietitian team is the first place, uh, piece of that puzzle that we put into place actually as soon as we open the radiation unit so we do have visiting dietitians who join our team they actually come to the center to do those consults and that's what we'd like to do rather than necessarily having it all scattered around and we don't want to do everything uh having specialists come in so it fills part of the team and again that's one of the transitions we've had back to the medical side rather than patients seeing the surgeon at the surgeon's office, now the surgeons are coming to Bermuda Cancer and Health. So you can feel that sense of team. And so that's what we're trying to do with dietetics. And I'd love to have it with yeah, exercise physiologists, um, yeah. nutritional side of things, as well as dietetic side of things and mental side of things. That's, again, that's our 10, 20 year plan. I think that's fantastic. That kind of answers my other question, which was going to be what are the future goals and aspirations for the center? Um, is there anything on top of that that you want to add or did that kind of cover? I mean, that was pretty, that I was pretty big. I think that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was yeah. incredible. Uh, so that's, I, I think, medical size side of thing. I think we also, as a center, we're really proud of what we've achieved and we want to continue that. And it, it's, it, maybe it's a bit grandiose. But I believe now we're providing world-class care. Uh, and there's no reason to think five, ten years from now that we can't make a statement that we're one of the best in the world. You know, Bermuda's brilliant. Bermuda's tiny. And so the advantage of being small, you do get the option to change things and personalize things. So if we're able to kind of do the textbook stuff, the guideline stuff, you know, surgery, the radiation, the chemo, buy the book and do it as well as anyone... And then you're able to add on the fact that we're tiny and we can be really personalized and we can really make sure that everyone feels like they're an individual. Then we can be very proud of what we're achieving. And so that's what we're aiming for and growing towards step by step. I mean, I um, get told off for being too ambitious and trying <laughs> to do things too quickly. And I think one of the things we do need to do is acknowledge that it takes time to get this right. Uh, so, yeah, that's our that's our vision. Absolutely. But it's so nice to have that vision, something yeah. to continuously work on, yeah. you know, improving, working towards. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. that's incredible considering how common cancer is. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and I think everybody knows someone that's been affected or has been affected themselves. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, the last thing to emphasize on that front, as you call it a vision, uh, you know, one of the most important things that behind our belief system of Bermuda Cancer and Health is that we um, get rid of any of that financial toxicity and that financial fear. So everyone who comes to Bermuda Cancer and Health, there is absolutely no copay for any service that we provide. And obviously, the mixed system in how we achieve that, but from patient point of view or person walking in the door point of view, just them knowing that we will not be asking that individual for money at any time point for their health care, I think is important. 
That's and, you know, really important. Again, we see over and over again, and it's really challenging. You know, uh, again, I feel really privileged being in that position, but Muda Cancer and Health, I can talk about that. It's really, really challenging to do. Um, but that part of the vision will never change. You know, it's when, again, medicalizing it slightly, when you're talking about side effects of treatment now, when you go to these big fancy conferences and wander around the world to listen to what the experts are saying, when we're talking about toxicity, financial toxicity is always quoted now because we know people miss out on essential care because of the fear of money. And again, our vision is that that never changes at Bermuda Cancer and Healthy. It'll always be uh, no copays. That's incredible. And it's the importance of the awareness, yeah. the events. Um, yeah. You know, Bermuda Cancer and Health um, Center does a lot of you know, charity events and yeah. fundraising as well to, uh, I'm assuming, get into this position, right? To be yeah. able to offer this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is there anything special going on in October? Lots. Yeah. Um. Lots. <laughs> well, you mentioned the Know Your Lemons campaign. I think yeah. So the Know Your Lemons yeah. campaign is our primary breast cancer education campaign. Um, so that's kind of getting out there. And what we have seen, so I think 900 people in Bermuda have been through the Know Your Lemons campaign, but 1.5 billion people have been through it around the world. And it's actually shown to be impactful from a cancer point of view, not just an awareness point of view. So the Know Your Lemons team have managed to demonstrate that people, so 99% ladies, but people who've been through the campaign, there is a significant reduction of late presentation of breast cancer. So that's incredibly important. So we've got our Know Your Lemons campaign with our Lemonista, Azuri, and then we've got things like the Breast Cancer Walk, which yeah. I think, hopefully got my date right, is the 18th of October. <laughs> yes. uh, and obviously do that conjointly with BFNM, and that's a brilliant event. Beautiful. It's a fundraiser, but it's also a socialisation. You know, people get to talk, people get to see everything that's going on. Uh, and then there's lots, there lots of other little events going on, but they're the two kind of biggies. Perfect, but you can you can check out on the website, which I will drop at the end, so you can find out more information there. Um, so, Chris, to wrap up, what advice would you give to our listeners, including the importance of regular checkups and self-examinations? So I think the most important advice is um, that healthcare can be controlled and can be managed, and that as an individual, you have to take some responsibility and don't fear that responsibility you know you must advocate for yourself you must look after yourself and whether that's the lifestyle stuff and then specifically from a breast cancer point of view again as said earlier we really know that actually self-examination makes a massive massive difference um it increases the chance that you picked up breast cancer early and early breast cancer is very very curable so if you're comfortable doing that do it if you're not sure sign up for an o11s program or go and talk to your gp or just come talk to us you know we reassure you that it's relatively easy to do i was going to say easy that's probably not fair it's relatively easy to do uh, and it is really really important and impactful perfect well thank you very much for being here with me today and for those listening if you liked what you heard today and want to learn more about the services the bermuda cancer and health center provides as well as keep up with special events and fundraisers you can head on over to their website which is www.chc.bm or contact them by email, which is info at chc.bm. Thank you so much for listening. That wraps up today's episode of the Best Health Podcast. A big thank you to our sponsor for this episode, the Bermuda Cancer and Health Center. I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's discussion. Head on over to our social media pages at the Royal Gazette and at RG Mags on Instagram and Facebook and share your insights. Until next time, Bermuda, stay healthy and stay inspired.